Thank you for downloading the weekly sermon from Trinity Reformed Church in Bloomington, Indiana. To find more great content, please check out our website at trinityreformed.org. Enjoy the sermon. Well, my name's Stephen Baker. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, if I haven't met you yet, I look forward to doing that afterwards. Um, so it's New Year's Day. And what do you preach on New Year's Day? We could do a, a good uh, dose of, what do you call those things? Resolutions. Wouldn't you love that? No, let's not do that. We could look ahead, we could look back. What I thought we needed this year is actually a good, a good dose of justification. A good booster shot of justification by faith and what it does for us and what we get from it. So that's what we're going to do. Uh, Romans chapter 5. I'm going to read verses 1 through 11. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we exult in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, Having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only this, but we also exult in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. This is the word of the Lord. First thing I want us to see about this passage is what is the Apostle Paul doing? He's arguing with us. I don't mean the kind of arguments that you have at home <laughs> or that you kids have with your sister or your brother or the argument like you had last night with your wife. That's not the kind of argument I'm talking about. I'm talking about the kind of argument where he is, he is taking us, wrestling us down to make us understand and believe something. That kind of argument. Maybe, maybe you do have those kinds of arguments at home. I don't know. Probably not. This is, he's, he's reasoning with us, right? This is what the Apostle Paul does all the time. We're, we're going to get back into the study of the book of Acts coming soon. And what 
the Apostle, and we're getting into the Apostle Paul, and what the Apostle Paul does all the time. When he meets people, he argues with them. And he proves to them something from the Scriptures, from the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures. That's what he's always doing. That's what he's going to be doing here. He wants us to follow his reasoning, right? And he makes us, he wants to make us understand this. And what he's making us understand is what justification does for you. And so what does verse one start with? You see this? Therefore. That's an argument word. That's a logic word. That's a reasoning word. He wants us to understand something. But it's weird because we're jumping into the conclusion of his argument. That's what therefore is, right? It's like, okay, I've argued something, and now here's the point. So we're jumping into the point, which means we have to go back. What does he say? Therefore, having been justified by faith. So he's already shown us that we're justified by faith. So now we have to jump back and see what he's talking about. If you have your Bible open, just look up the page to chapter 4, verse 1. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather according to the flesh, is found? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Now he's going to quote from the the Hebrew scriptures. Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, to the one who works... His wage is not credited as a favor, but as what is due. You all can agree to that, all you employees, right? Your your boss isn't doing you a favor by paying you your paycheck. Well, maybe he is, depending on how well you've done. But that's not how it works. You do the work, you get paid, right? This is what you deserve. This is not how God is. To the one who works, his wage is not credited as a favor, but what is due. But to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies who? What's it say? The ungodly. To the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, His faith is credited as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing on the man to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven and whose sins have been covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account. So this is what it means to be justified. It means two things. It means to have your sins forgiven, right? That's what David says in Psalm 32. Blessed is the man whose lawless deeds have been forgiven. Isn't that wonderful? To have your lawless deeds forgiven? I want you to, I want you to actually think about that. Because you do have lawless deeds, don't you? Yeah, me too. So think about it. Blessed is the man whose lawless deeds have been forgiven. 
even that one. And that one too. I want you to think about your lawless deeds. Blessed is the man whose lawless deeds have been forgiven. That's an amazing blessing. Right? Is that all that justification is? Is that all that it is? Look at, look at your Bible, look at chapter 4, look at what I just read. Is it just having your sins forgiven? What else is it? Look what he says. Verse 4, verse 5. But to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as what? Righteousness. That's, that's, so having your sins forgiven is one thing, all right? Blank slate, wouldn't that be great? God wipes your slate clean, gives you a blank slate. Is that what it means to be justified, to have a blank slate? No. That would be bad news for you, right? Because what do you do with a blank slate? You're, well, you're supposed to fill it up with good stuff. Do you got any good stuff to put on that blank slate by which you can have peace with God? No. And so what God does in justification, he doesn't just wipe the slate clean, he writes on what? 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 Come on. We've been doing kids' sermons. You can pretend you're a kid now and answer me. What does he write? Righteousness. Whose righteousness? Jesus Christ, not yours. Now think about that. Who does he justify? The ungodly. How does he do it? By forgiving their sins and crediting to you the righteousness, not of yourself, but an alien righteousness that comes from outside of you. Someone else's righteousness, the righteousness of Jesus Christ, gets credited to your account. What does that mean? It means when God looks at you, what does he see? He sees Christ. So I know that most of us here believe this on paper. You know what I mean? You believe it on paper? You believe it in theory? Do you really believe this? That when, Christ, when God the Father looks at you, he sees Christ? Well done, my good and faithful servant. My beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Right? That's what this means. To be justified is to be, to have your sins forgiven, amazing, but it's even more amazing because it is to have the righteousness of Christ credited to you. 
imputed to you. That's the word we use. Right? Reckoned to you. This is amazing. So what? Chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, this is not by works, as he said in chapter 4, he doesn't reward you like an employee getting his paycheck. You've worked, you deserve something, okay, you get to go to the office and say, hey, I did my time, give me my paycheck, right? No. It's not that. Not to the one who works. Therefore, having been justified by what? By faith. What do we have? We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, to have peace with God assumes that you didn't used to have peace with God. You were his enemy. He's going to talk about enemies. He's going to talk about while we were enemies. He's going to talk about that we've received reconciliation. Right? You know what reconciliation is? With God. We were enemies, but now we have peace with God. God is at peace with you if you've been justified. Do you believe that? Not on paper. You've got to start at least with on paper, but do you really believe it? That you are at peace with God. Now, there's, a, there's two kinds of peace, right? There's peace with God, and that's what he's talking about here, right? Where God is no longer angry with you, you're saved from the wrath of God, He's pouring blessing on you and hope and love, as we'll see in a minute. There's that kind of peace, relational peace, that's objective. There's another kind of peace. It's the peace of God. This is not the peace of God. This is peace with God. This is what you have because you've been justified, okay? Now, there's another kind of peace, the peace of God which is peace that you feel. And you can, have the, you can have peace with God and not have the peace of God. How do you get the peace of God? Anyone know? Does the Apostle Paul ever talk about having the peace of God? that guards your heart and mind in Christ Jesus? Does that ring a bell? So in Philippians 4, he says what? Be anxious for what? Nothing. But by prayer and supplication with what? Thanksgiving. So that means, you see how this works? Prayer, if you're, if you're giving thanks... In the midst of asking, that means what? What does that mean about you? Well, you're aware of what he has, but what else? You're asking for something. What are you, 
what are you aware of? That he's going to hear you. You're praying in faith, right? Having, so, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then what happens? The peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. That's the peace of God. All right? And that can come and go. Right? It can come and go because you know what it is to be filled with anxiety. That's why he has to tell us to not be anxious. And the way past that is by prayer, believing faithful prayer, by which our hearts are filled with peace, the peace of God. You, okay, so that kind of peace can come and go. You all know what I'm talking about, right? But the other kind of peace cannot come and go. Peace with God. Because it doesn't depend on you. It doesn't depend on what you've done. It depends on what Christ has done. It doesn't depend on your righteousness because you're ungodly. It depends on Christ's righteousness alone. So therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. We have it through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through whom also, he says in verse 2, we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. Through Jesus Christ, we have been put into this place of grace. The grace he's talking about is the grace of justification. Being right with God, being at peace with God, having Christ's righteousness credited to our account, having our sins forgiven. Christ has put us there. He has introduced us into this condition, right? This relationship with God into this grace in which we what? Stand. Not totter, right? But stand. He has put us into this place right with God. And we stand there. And he says this in verse 2, and we exult in hope of the glory of God. Now that word exult is weird. It's one of those weird things about our translation here. What does exult mean? Rejoice. But like triumphant, like, you know, like over the top rejoicing. Not just calm, stoic rejoicing, if you could say such a thing, but amazing, over-the-top rejoicing. We exult. Now we exult in what? In hope of the glory of God. What does that mean? It could mean that we exult in the hope of seeing the glory of God. I don't think that's what it means. It could mean that. I don't think it's what it means. Let me show you something, all right? I'll just read a couple of places to you from John where our Lord Jesus uses this same idea of glory in a way that kind of strikes us as strange. 
So John 5, 44, just listen to this. He's talking to the Pharisees who don't believe in him. And he says, how can you believe? How can you believe? You can't even believe. It's not possible for you to believe. Why? How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that is from the one and only God? So there's a kind of glory that God gives, right? And he's, he says, you can't even believe. You, are, you cannot trust me, Jesus says. Why? Because you're so wrapped up in receiving the glory that comes from men. So what is the glory that comes from men? Well, how would we say that? It's the acceptance, it's the approval that comes from men. You cannot be a Christian if you live for the glory of man, the acceptance and the approval of man. Right? But he says this, how can you believe when you receive the glory, you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that is from the one and only God? He says the same thing in John 12. It says, nevertheless, many, even of the rulers, believed in him. These are the Jews. But because of the Pharisees, they were not confessing him for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the approval, is what it says here. But it's the same word, glory. They loved the glory of men rather than the glory of God, the approval of God. So now think about this. What is it that we hope in? What, is, what hope do we rejoice in, do we exult in? We exult in hope of the approval of God, the acceptance of God. That's what we get by being justified. We have peace with God. God is pleased with you. He welcomes you. He accepts you. <laughs> Not just as you are. What awful news that would be. He accepts you just as Jesus is. Stew on that for a minute. That's what it means to be justified. That's what it means. You start adding anything into that, you're, you've rejected the teaching of Scripture. What else? We exult in hope of the glory of God. This is what we hope for. This is what we look for. This is what we believe earnestly and truly. This is not hope like, I hope it doesn't rain or I hope that so-and-so wins. Not that, not that kind of hope. We result in hope at the glory of God. Verse three, and not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations. Where did that come from? 
Let's talk about tribulations. Um, you could look at the Apostle Paul and you can say, easy for you to say, Paul. You haven't had the year I've had. Right? Easy for you to say, Paul. This is not a pious, pietistic, or stoic, or, you know? What kind of tribulations did the Apostle Paul actually have? Well, let's see. Rejected by his entire nation, and all of his people, and all of his teachers, remember that? Beaten, how many times? Three times? Something like that. With whips and with baseball bats, rods. Stoned and left for dead. Shipwrecked. Hungry, homeless. Left floating in the ocean for a few days. Anyone had that happen this year? And relational stuff, all kinds of relational stuff, which is incredibly painful. The Apostle Paul knows what he's talking about when he talks about tribulation. And I know that many of us have had a really hard year. Right? Anybody want to say you've had a hard year? Tribulation. But what did that tribulation mean for you? What does it mean for you? Does it mean God hates you? Does it? No. Does it mean God is angry with you? that his wrath is being poured out on you. You better say no, if you're a Christian. You better say no, because he delivers us from the wrath, okay? So it can't be his anger, it can't be his wrath, it can't be just, what about his ineptitude? He just couldn't handle it. He was asleep at the switch when this happened to you. Is that what it means? We're tempted to think all of that, aren't we? What is it? Being justified changes everything, right? Because you know it's not his wrath. It says here that he's gonna deliver us from his wrath, okay? It can't be that. It can't be ineptitude, we're talking about God. It can't be falling asleep at the switch because you're justified, your tribulation means something good. Right? What? Well, it's producing something. Tribulation. We exult. We rejoice triumphantly in our tribulations. Knowing, you got to know this, that tribulation brings about perseverance. 
and perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. There's a chain. This is what God is up to. God is doing something. Because you're justified, because you have peace with God, your tribulations now mean something totally different than they used to mean. Now they mean God is working in you, producing in you character and perseverance and hope. And he's doing this in you through tribulation. This is how it works. And so when you, when you find yourself in tribulation, because you're justified, because you have peace with God, what do you do? What are you to do? What are we to do? What? Exalt. God is up to something. All of this means something different than it used to mean. You're right with God. You have peace with God. You have the righteousness of Christ. And so what? He's doing something. He is at work. I can trust him. Perseverance, proven character, and hope in verse five. And hope does not disappoint. Let's talk about disappointment for a second. Anyone disappointed this year, past year? With anybody? Anything? Any, any Bitcoin investors here? Oops. <laughs> hope does not disappoint. This kind of hope. This is a solid, certain, rock-solid, complete, confident expectation of what God will do. And he says that hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. This is not your love for God. This is God, God's love for you. Okay? You, if you are justified, you know the love of God. You know it. It's poured out. You're like basting in the love of God. Soaking in it. Steeping in it. God loves you. He loves you. Now, some people hear that and say, well, of course he does. <laughs> well, of course he does. He loves everybody. And I kind of deserve it anyway. Many of us take the love of God for granted. It's very strange. On the one hand, we, take, we think God's always angry at us. On the other hand, we kind of feel entitled to the love of God. How does that work? We are not entitled to the love of God. We should not take it for granted, ever. We should be utterly amazed at this. Now look at what he does next. He's gonna argue, real quick here, look at verse six. For, well, okay, so why does he say for in verse six? He's talked about, he said the love of God is poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit for, 
So he's arguing, he's giving a reason for this, talking about the love of God, for while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the what? The ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would, even, would dare even to die. This is what all the movies are about, right? Someone's gonna come, he's gonna die, but it's, oh, who does, the, who does the hero always die for in the movies? Hmm? While another good guy. So we can wrap our mind around that. But, verse eight, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. No righteous good man, no good guy, no, there are no good guys. He died for you when you were an ungodly sinner. Never seen a movie like that. God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. How do you know that God loves you? What is the demonstration of the love of God for you? Is it that things went well this year? No. It's that Christ died for you. While you were a pitiful, weak, ungodly, lawless man or woman or child. Verse 9. Much more then, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, Much more than having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. This is what it means to be justified, brothers and sisters. It's what it means to be right with God. You stand in this grace, your sins are forgiven, righteousness of Christ baked on to your account that can never be taken off. Peace with God. Not because you've worked, but because Jesus did. Not because you've suffered, but because Jesus did, right? By his blood, not yours. Not because you deserve it, but because he does. Okay? And this changes everything. This changes everything. All the tribulations you can look back on in this past year or your, your life, none of it is because you're paying for your own sins. God is producing in you good fruit 
because he loves you. One last thing, verse 11. And not only this, but we also exult in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. <laughs> so three, three exalts, right? We, we exult in what? Hope of the glory of God, confident expectation that God will accept me on judgment day. That's what he's talking about, I think. We exult in what else? Our tribulations. Knowing that God is doing something good for me here. And then what else? We exult in God. So it's not just what he's doing, it's not just what he's done, it's not just what he will do, it's him. We exult in God. Triumphant, glorious rejoicing in God. This means a relationship with God that is deep and intimate, warm and affectionate, right? This is what it means to have peace with God. Do you know what it means to have peace with God? Here's a way you can figure this out, okay? Because we all know what it's like to know, to ha have the, the theory and the paper, right? The theory and the paper. I, kn I know what it means to have peace with God on paper. <laughs> I know what it means to rejoice in tribulation on paper, in theory, but man, when it happens, you know? I know what it means to believe in justification in theory, but how do I know if I really begin to get this or not? Uh, let me close with this, okay? Here's what, here's what the Apostle Paul always does with this, okay? He says, okay, you've been forgiven. Yeah, you believe you've been forgiven? Okay. Now forgive everybody else who's sinned against you. You believe you've been accepted by God, by welcomed by God, right? You believe this on paper? Okay. What? Welcome one another, just as God has welcomed you to the glory of God. That's Romans 15, I think. You believe that God has been kind to you? Then what? Be kind. You believe that God has loved you, then what? Love. Everyone who deserves it. Because that's how, wait a minute, that doesn't work. Love who? Love who, come on. Well, in particular, your enemies. Because that's what you were when God loved you. Right? So how do you know if you're getting this or not? 
Look at your relationships. Look at how you treat the people in your life. Look at how you treat the people who sin against you. Look at how you, okay, are you the, the, um, the list checker? The naughty and nice checker? Are you the grudge keeper? Are you the, the righteous judge of everybody else? The blacklister? You know what that means? That's what you think God is. And you have not tasted what it means to have peace with God. Well, if you're here, and this is all new to you, all, all news, I hope it's good news, because you can be right with God. You can have peace with God, not by what you have done or are doing or will do, entirely because of what Christ has done. Living a perfect, perfect life, and then dying the death that you deserve. No one could make this up. This is, this is the truth. Come to him. Come to him. Stop trying to make yourself right with God. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So, Happy New Year. Let's pray. Dear Father, would you please open our hearts and our minds to, to think the way you want us to think. To follow the argument, to apply it to ourselves, to believe it. To be filled with hope at the confident expectation that you will accept us on Judgment Day. Please, Lord, help us. And let us live on this for the rest of this year. I pray in Christ's name, amen.